Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we are recapping one of the biggest weekends in Tar Heel recruiting, really probably history overall, as the Tar Heels landed three commitments in one day on Friday, and then circle back around and pick up a commitment on Saturday as well. And this one was one that was a little bit unexpected. The other three, rather expected. But, uh, Zach, you know, we had kind of been waiting for this class to sort of hit its stride. And it felt like they were starting to gain some of that momentum. But the big thing, you know, when I was writing about this weekend and, and in the previews and in the recaps, I was stressing the fact that, look, Carolina's got some good pieces in this class. Joel Starling's one of them, and, and, and a couple of the other guys for sure. But this weekend was huge because not only did it bring in you know, a quantity of recruits, but also with it came the quality of recruits that I think Toriel fans are starting to grow to expect uh, with Mac Brown and, and, and his recruiting staff. So w- what did you think overall the weekend for Carolina uh, that they've had so far? Yeah, I think with uh, the three guys that committed on Friday, all three were guys that North Carolina, you know, believed that they were in a good spot for it. That made it no less exciting. Like you mentioned, it does feel like uh, not only for North Carolina, uh, but nationally, you know, a, a lot of these guys are starting to make their decisions, go ahead and nail down where they want to go to school just to get that out of the way, you know, and have their senior season be their senior season. And, and that's no more true than, at North Carolina where, you know, a lot of these top targets are, you know, deciding to go ahead and pull the trigger for the Tar Heels and, and other guys are being told, you know, Hey, these spots are filling up. There's only going to be so many spots at your position, so many spots in, in the class. So it's sort of, you know, it sort of snowballs from there where, you know, you have one guy make the decision. It, sh- it sort of builds this momentum of either, you know, now that my, you know, these players that I know are going to be there, that incentivizes me make my decision as well or hey I don't want to miss out on my spot so 
exactly like you mentioned, it does feel like the Tar Heels are gaining momentum here in the 2023 recruiting class, and that only looks to continue uh, throughout the month of July. And, you know, as we stated at the beginning, we started out in July with a bang here. Yeah, and and uh, I, I think that's the best way to put it is that this was kind of the stretch where Carolina really had to make their hay. Um, and once you found out that all these guys were kind of committing in this same stretch, this was where you had to see Carolina do some damage. And, you know, it starts out with J. Bron Harvey. This is a guy that I don't think it's really that shocking that he commits to Carolina, but it is one of the best players in the entire country at the edge rusher position. And look, Carolina is still in need of edge rushers. There is no doubt about it. That's an area where, uh, you know, they have recruited rather well, but they haven't been able to quite develop that talent just yet. So bringing in more and more guys into that room, more and more talent into that room is a key. And, you know, they are starting to kind of lack there a little bit depth-wise, especially with the shift in schemes. So they bring in J. Bron Harvey, 6'3", uh, 215 pounds, uh, rated as the number 25 edge rusher in the class, the number 188 overall prospect, and the number 6 prospect out of the state of North Carolina. And that is really where... Uh, Carolina is is starting to sort of settle some things down. There was some concern that some of the top guys in the state were potentially looking elsewhere, were potentially looking, you know, at another in-state school in NC State. But Carolina is starting to flex their muscle, and Zach, they do it here once again with Jay Bron Harvey uh, and land a guy that I think kind of fits what this staff is looking for, especially when you look at his high school production. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the sort of edge rusher position for the Tar Heels going into the 2022 season, as you mentioned, they have recruited well, but it's one that has you know a good deal of upperclassmen and then a lot of unknown. Uh, you have two guys this upcoming fall in Noah Taylor and Chris Collins that both look to be you know their final year, and then it's a lot of unknown. We don't know about guys like you know Malachi Hamrick that's going to be you know a, a true freshman this year. We think maybe came on Rucker. We'll, we'll factor into that race. Maybe he plays over that power end. But, you know, the the edge position, uh, some call it Jack Linebacker, Russian, whatever you want to call it, that position is somewhat of a mystery after the 2022 season. Um, and, and it's one that, you know, the Tar Heels have looked to get multiple guys uh, in this 2023 cycle, one that we obviously saw last week in Tyler Thompson and then here one in J. Bron Harvey out of Southern High School in Durham. Uh, when I look at J. Bron, I, I look at him as a guy that uh, doesn't have necessarily the, you know, sort of raw length uh, and maybe, you know, athleticism, the size of a Tyler Thompson, but he's more of a polished player, in my opinion, at this point, at being a edge rusher. He understands the motor that it requires. He understands how to be physical, how to be strong, and how to chase down the quarterback. And I think that shows up in his production as well. He had a highly productive junior season uh, there at Southern High School. He was a really dynamic presence off the edge. And, and I think his addition alongside Tyler Thompson really gives the Tar Heels a couple of really good options, whether they be bookends or playing the same position. Uh, when you're recruiting, you know, any defense, especially the defensive line in 2022, you want a, a good number of guys. You want guys that do everything. You want guys that are specialists. You want to have all these different options in, in your toolkit. And I, I think with the addition of J. Bron Harvey to go along with Tyler Thompson, they, they had a guy that sort of 
maybe not ready to be a day one starter, but just has that much of a little bit of a leg up in terms of understanding the position, understanding what he needs to do, and really, you know, being a future force in the ACC. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think he has the size to probably contribute right away. I'm with you in, in, in the skill set. I think that you see, first of all, the get-off off the line of scrimmage uh, is tremendous. Uh, he's as explosive as it gets watching his film. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, some would probably think, well, he probably just wins because of his speed. And look, that's that's a big part of it. But you're talking about a guy that runs a four five nine forty, and that shows on tape because – he can hunt down not only quarterbacks in the backfield, but running backs. And that's something that you really need because Carolina, not only do they need these guys that can get after the quarterback, they definitely need that. That's something that's been lacking consistently really since the Butch Davis era. But they need to find these guys that can also stop the run. That's been one of the big challenges for Carolina. You know, you go back a couple of years ago, you know, some good things from a guy like Malik Carney, but that was one of his. Uh, his biggest weaknesses was the fact that he just couldn't stop guys in the backfield. He wasn't a big help in run defense. A guy like Harvey, he's going to be able to do that. He doesn't have to play with a lot of physicality, so that's one thing that I'm con- that that I'm a little bit worried about with him. Whereas you know, with Tyler Thompson, a guy who's actually smaller in size than him, if you're just talking about weight, you saw some more physicality to him. So he's probably that guy that fits more of that edge rusher mentality. Um, you know, the physicality is something that I think he's going to have to sort of pick up on pretty quickly. And look, it, it's really hard for a lot of these guys in the trenches to make immediate impacts. We just saw that this last year and even the last couple of years when you look at Des Evans that it it takes guys time in the trenches to get used to the size and the speed and also the physicality of the college level as opposed to the high school level but when you look at this guy I, I, I mean I know that you could say well maybe he just doesn't play at the highest level of the sport in the state I get that but you don't have 20, you know, 28 and a half sacks and th- and 35 tackles for loss in a season as a defensive end, not to mention 129 total tackles. I mean, that's leading his team in tackles out of the uh, out of the defensive end position. That that is unbelievably impressive. So that's not something that you just bat an eye at. That's something that you should look at and and, and feel pretty confident that that can somewhat translate over into the next level. You know, he's also a guy that if you're looking for just how athletic he is, he played tight end last year for them, caught six passes for 115 yards and a touchdown. And look, the other thing is, is this is a four-star guy that is in your backyard. He was not considering Duke. He was not considering NC State. He was considering South Carolina, Louisville, and Oklahoma. This was one that you had to land with him really right around the corner from you in Durham. So I think the staff knew that. They prioritized him being a guy that was in-state. And again, we're starting to see this team sort of, or this staff sort of get, you know, flex the muscle a little bit when it comes to these in-state prospects. And I I think this is one that uh, they definitely did that with because I know South Carolina wanted him badly. Louisville was in heavy pursuit of them. And for Oklahoma, who knows? Maybe if they had entered the race a little bit earlier, it would have been different. But I feel like he's still a guy that, you know, Carolina prioritized a little bit more than everybody else, and they end up with his commitment in the end. After that, you move on to a guy 
And three-star interior offensive lineman Robert Grigsby out of the state of Georgia. Carolina really starting to establish that pipeline. They go back to North Cobb High School. That's a, a high school that they've had some pretty good success with over the last few years. Um, and he is rated as the number 43 interior offensive lineman, or at least that was of the other day. He has actually dropped now to the number 50 offensive lineman, and you'll notice that as a trend when we talk about a guy that committed on Sun on uh, Saturday here later in the show. Um, but, you know, this I, I, he, he definitely looks the part. 6'5", 295 pounds, and a really talented overall prospect that Zach, when I turned on his film – the thing that stuck out to me the most is that this is a guy that is going to, you know, while he's listed as an interior offensive lineman on 24-7 sports and the other recruiting sites, he's going to provide some flexibility and versatility. Yeah, absolutely. This is a guy that at the high school level, high school level, excuse me, there at North Cobb High School, uh, he plays right tackle primarily. So he does have that, you know, outside experience. Uh, you know, six three, six four, six five, probably looks more to be an interior prospect. But with that versatility, with that sort of background, uh, at the very least, he offers you options there. And it's the same thing as you know we mentioned with Jabron Harvey on the uh, defensive line. The offensive line, you know, not only the Tar Heels, but a lot of staffs like to get guys that they can move around so that they can get their five best out here. When you throw in the film. Uh, for Robert Grigsby, you're not seeing a ton of uh, pass rush reps, which is unfortunately pretty common for, you know, high school offensive line. But, but when you see him run block, you do see a guy, you know, that is moving guys upfield, that is constantly churning, that is constantly battling, that's playing through the whistle and, you know, through the echo of the whistle, as they like to say. So I think he offers you some, some options there in, in terms of what you want to do with them. But you know, when you look at how the Tar Heels like to run the football, they like to use sort of that power running style. They like to pull their guards and move them into space. And I think sort of just his general frame, his general, you know, quick quickness of movement from that tackle background could really, really help him, you know, sort of in that running scheme, help him be a great pulling guard sort of for this Tar Heel offense for years to come. Yeah, with, with him, you know, it, it is interesting because – yeah, he plays mostly at right tackle. Like you said, I mean, it's not a pass-heavy scheme, although I will say it's you see more pass reps on there than, you than say, the guy DJ Geth, who we'll talk about here in a little while. Um, I, I really think that he has the ability to play either tackle or guard, and that's what Carolina really wants in their offensive lineman. We heard it so often here during uh, the spring of this year that Mac Brown was moving guys kind of all over the place. Him and co- new offensive line coach Jack McNell were kind of looking for guys that can play multiple positions. And this is a guy that I believe can do that. Yeah, at 6'5", 295, he's got the body style um, really to play either one. Carolina really wants all of their offensive linemen, it seems like, at 300 pounds. Now, of course, that was under previous offensive line coach Stacey Searle, so we'll see if that if there is sort of an adjustment there. But 
the thing that I like the most about him, and you talked about you know seeing him in, in run blocking situations, and he looked really good. The thing that I noticed the right off the bat about him was the fact that he plays with the mean streak that you need to be able to to play inside. And Carolina has kind of lacked that here over the last couple of years. It was something that I thought Larry Fedora and his staffs did a really good job of. But I think that that's something that you've started to see sort of trend in the wrong direction. And I think it's just part of the overall, I'm not going to say, you know, change in mindset. That's something that really the staff has wanted to stay away from. But something that I think they've needed to shore up and they're looking to shore up this year is physicality throughout the entire team. And a guy like Grigsby will be able to do that down the line for them as well. You know, there's no worry of the, of the level of competition that he plays at, played at the top level in the state of Georgia, and really did a great job, dominated uh, the way that you would expect him to. Um, and, you, you know, I, I think the other thing is, is you look and you say, well, that, that all sounds like a guy that's going to play on the interior. Yeah, but when you watch him move on film, I think he moves about as well as any of the offensive line targets that we've looked at, kind of in his same range, that three-star area, even that low four-star area over the last couple of years. I think his footwork is tremendous for a guy that's in high school, um, and he has really good athleticism. He's a guy that even when he gets out of position, a guy you know maybe beats him, he's able to get back into position and make a play. He has really good lateral movement, uh, and, and that's something that you have to have as a as a tackle. And I, I think that there is the capability for him to play both of those positions, and that's what you want if you're Carolina, especially coming into next year, considering the fact that you are going to lose so much on that offensive line. You've got a lot of veterans there, even over the next two years, if you just look at it from that perspective. So he's a guy that could come in and factor in early uh, if he, you know, can get in there and, and and get early enrolled, you never really know because, again, these are now year after year, Carolina is starting to recruit these guys with the right size to come in and play right away. And uh, I, I think, you know, with him, I, I, I would not be shocked if he is a guy that you are talking about a lot more uh, you know, than some of the guys that are ahead of him right now in terms of the rankings that are committed to this class. I think he has the look of one of the most underrated players in this entire class. So that was the second commitment of the day. Now let's get to the commitment that most people were talking about, the one that everybody had circled on their calendars, and that is Christian Hamilton, the four-star wide receiver out of Hickory Ridge High School in Harrisburg, North Carolina. He committed just after 6.30 on Friday night, the number 30 wide receiver in the 2023 class. And he did, for a minute, scare Tar Heel fans. He took off his jacket and did have a Clemson shirt on, put on the hat, but then took off the shirt, tossed the hat to the side, and did don the colors of Carolina. So uh, the Tar Heels end up landing a guy that they have been pushing for for a long time, really since just after his freshman season. Uh, a guy that's right in their backyard that's coached by a Tar Heel uh, alum in Jupiter Wilson. And uh, this one was huge, Zach, especially for a class that is in need of wide receiver prospects because of you know the struggles that they've had uh, with losing guys to the transfer portal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the top uh, target wide receiver targets, and has been for a while. I mean, when you look at the 2023 class as a whole, 
in terms of, you know, when we started hearing about these guys uh, at the end of the 2022 cycle, Christian Hamilton was one of the first names that kept came up, especially with the need for wide receivers. And, you know, he has one of the top wide receivers in not only the nation, uh, but in the state, you know, being a top 200 guy um, out of Harrisburg, North Carolina, like you mentioned, around six foot 175. Um, when I throw on his so I see some versatility there. I see a guy, you know, that can play inside and out. He's not necessarily, you know, a track guy. He's not necessarily a speedster, but I think he's a guy that knows how to get into space really well. I think that he's a guy that is more quick than fast. I think he's good at dodging other people. So in terms of a play style comparison uh, to, you know, some NFL guys that we see. He's not necessarily to retail. He's not Jalen Waddle with just that blazing speed. Uh, but I see a comparison to maybe a Jamar Chase sort of style where, you know, they're, they're not the tallest, they're not the fastest, but they just always find a way to, you know, get where they need to be and get open and get the football. Uh, you saw a little bit of that sort of styling, um, in what in what he does on the football field, you see a little bit of Deami Brown. You see those goal balls where he's you know he's getting open past the defender quite often. But you know you, you see a little bit of uh, Daz Newsom in there as well. So a nice blend between the inside and outside you know receiver styles that we've seen the Tar Heels use over the last few years. But I, I think you know just that versatility which we've mentioned before. You know we'll continue to mention in terms of the Tar Heel wide receiver room overall, and specifically this class, I think that's one of the key factors here is just his ability to, you know, play both possessions potentially. Uh, it, it gives you more options in terms of who you take into this class to get a nice balance of slot guys and outside receivers. And then it gives you options, you know, once you get into that actual college wide receiver room of where is he going to end up? Is he going to be more of a slot? Is he going to be an outside guy? Well, maybe he's both. And then that lets us mix and match and find, you know, our best combination or, you know, really take advantage of defenses in different ways. So I, I think, you know, that versatility, like I mentioned, that's probably my favorite thing about him in terms of where he fits in this class. Yeah, no, I think you're right. He fits, you know, you, you said it when we were previewing his commitment. He has that modern wide receiver feel, a guy that doesn't, quite overpower you with the height or the overall frame but is a guy that just does the things that he needs to do to free himself up wherever he's at and you know you as a guy that also follows Alabama football in depth there's a guy that won a Heisman two years ago that was probably a pretty similar body style if not even a little bit thinner in Devontae Smith who played on the outside so that's a guy that that's somebody that you should think that Hamilton could be somewhat like. I'm not saying he's going to be Devontae Smith. That's a very high bar. There's no doubt about that. But when you look at a guy that can just kind of play in multiple different areas, can create mismatches all over the field, that's what you're looking at with Christian Hamilton. He he does have some good straight line speed. It allows him to beat some guys down the field like you talked about. The short area quickness I think is very encouraging as well. And that's what allows him to sort of create space and free himself up. Uh, that's what you are looking for from these outside receivers for Carolina because that was what we saw from Deami Brown. I mean, yeah, you like the height that Deami Brown 
had on him. Um, and, and I think that there are some guys that Carolina has that are going to provide that height and speed combination. But that's that's something that you're hoping to find with maybe a guy like Chris Culliver, who we'll talk about here later, or Paul Billups. Those are the types of guys you're hoping to find with that in this class, and you're still going to recruit those guys. This is a guy that can do multiple different things for you, and really the other thing is is he's a guy that can do damage with the football in his hands uh, after the catch, he's a guy that you know is constantly seen just pulling away from defenders. You know, he's not somebody that's going to really you know throw sharp cuts after the catch. But that's one of the things that is so great about what he does prior to the catch is how you know technical he is with his cuts and everything like that. So this is definitely a guy that I think when you look at him you should think that he is going to potentially be the replacement for Josh Downs if he heads to the NFL after the season or even the year after because from what we've heard, this is kind of how they want to use Josh Downs this season. Last year, Mac Brown said that after a certain period of time, teams were able to start keying in, start uh, bracketing Downs in the slot, so they do want to use him a little bit on the outside this year. If they do end up using him on the outside and he ends up thriving out there, this is probably the mold that they're going to look for with at least one receiver in every class, and it seems like they've gotten that guy here in Hamilton uh, and and you know we'll finish up with the last guy that committed. This was on Saturday. Uh, Carolina ends up landing what is at this time their seventh commitment in six days when they land this commitment, and that's 2023 three-star interior offensive lineman DJ Geth. He's a guy that was inside of the top 1,000 prospects. He has since dropped out. Now rated as the number 80 interior offensive lineman. Not sure why both of those guys dropped after they committed to Carolina. Who really knows? Um, but this this one was another big one for Carolina because Geth, that's a name that probably some of the older Tar Heel fans in particular are familiar with. Uh, Ed Geth, his dad, did play college basketball at Carolina under Dean Smith. He was on that 1993 title team. Also, his mom went there as well. So they, it is uh, you know, a family thing for the Geth family to go to Carolina. But it looked like South Carolina had really put the pressure on the Tar Heels for a while. Uh, really, over these last this last month, month and a half, it looked like South Carolina was firmly in the lead for him with a lot of people thinking that him and high school teammate Marquis Anderson, another interior offensive line prospect, he's a four-star in the class, were going to team up. Well, that doesn't end up happening. Uh, he, you know, just this week sort of, There were some mumblings that things were starting to change just a little bit. And heading into his commitment yesterday, most people felt very confident that the Tar Heels were going to be able to land him. And they do. He comes out of Dorman High School in Roebuck, South Carolina. And uh, another guy, Zach, 6'4", 300 pounds. He's got the size. He played tackle in high school. I don't think that that is going to be where he's going to play at the next level. But this is just another one of those guys that the first thing that I saw from him was that mean streak, and and that's what Carolina needs in their offensive linemen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you put on his film, he's playing multiple positions, basically every spot on the offensive line except for center. And when you look at his reps, you know, he's he's primarily doing one thing and one thing over, you know, over and over and over again. He, he's bowling guys over. That's really what he's looking to do on each individual play. So like you mentioned, you know, 
the, the main thing that stands out just from a play style perspective for guests is his mean streak. He is looking to move guys out of the way, and once they're moved, he's going on to the next one to really continue that process. So, so as you mentioned previously, you know, just reestablishing a sense of team physicality, a sense of, you know, team motor or team aggression, uh, just, you know, as, as some people say, you know, guys that have that dog in them, that's what you like to see in terms of an offensive lineman as a guy that's going out there and, and looking to punish people. Now, like I mentioned, you know, he does play multiple spots on the offensive line. Uh, probably not a guy that I'm looking at the same way as Grigsby in terms of having that versatility at the college level. I think he's probably, you know, more squared into playing guard specifically. But as I mentioned with Grigsby, you know, he's a guy that could be really good, you know, pulling uh, in run plays and power run plays. He's a guy that's going to, you know, uh, push defensive tackles out of the way. He's going to get to the second level. So I think he's a very, very, you know, uh, really good prospect in terms of that, in terms of what he offers from a perspective of physicality. Now, as you mentioned, just to wrap up, Guess um, is the high school teammate of another uh, prospect in the 2023 class that the Tar Heels are recruiting in Marquis Anderson, both out of Dorman High School in Roebuck, South Carolina. Like you mentioned, these were both guys that we initially thought, you know, going into the last few weeks of June could be all but slated to South Carolina. Here we have guests sort of, you know, go with the uh, with the um, legacy, quote-unquote, decision to go with uh, his parents' alma mater and go with North Carolina. Maybe we see that affect Mark Key Anderson. We don't know at this point, but it is certainly an encouraging sign, not only uh, for guest the player, but guest the teammate in what he can offer in terms of a nice peer recruiter as the Tar Heels look to continue recruiting the offensive line position. Oh, it's definitely a factor. There's there's no doubt about it. I've seen multiple people talking about that since the commitment is, does this sort of change things with Marquis Anderson? And look, I think the Tar Heels were one of three teams that were in it, but I think that in a lot of people's minds, South Carolina is the team to beat, and I still think that's the case. I think that Anderson is is a guy that, I mean, look, he is very close with Geth. There's no denying that. I remember going out and seeing both of them in action at the Rivals camp, and these two dudes, they arrived at the camp together, they went through all the drills together, and they left the camp together. And uh, it seems like they've got that pretty close bond, but I think that the there is another factor that has to be taken into account that was not a factor in Geth's recruitment, and that is Clemson. Clemson was not a team that had offered Geth, you wonder if that might be the reason why they're not in the lead for Marquis Anderson. But now that his high school teammate is committed, look, there is probably going to be some talk back and forth between the two of, hey, don't you want to team up again together? But I think, you know, one of the big things is is that you've got to kind of figure out where do you think Robert Grigsby is going to play. Um, and, for, and for the staff, they've got to be able to figure that out when they talk to Marquis Anderson to tell him, look, you know, we've already got, you know, either we've got two guys that are committed on the interior of the offensive line and, you know, look, we'll t- still take your commitment, but know that it is going to be a bit of a log jam there. Maybe that takes them out of that running. Maybe they take themselves out of that running and say, look, the spots are filled up right now. We appreciate it, but we're going to move on. Or they could look at it and say, uh, like I think they could potentially 
think, uh, hey, look, Grigsby's a guy that has a lot of versatility. Um, He's got the movement to probably play tackle. So if you come in, we could potentially look at him more as an offensive tackle. He could help us more out there. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see on that. Really quickly, just on Geth and, and what else I saw from him, tremendous run blocker. And it makes a lot of sense. First of all, the system that he plays in at Dorman High School is as run-based as it gets. They do not throw the football unless they absolutely have to. It's one of the big reasons that they have struggled sometimes late in state playoff runs. Wasn't a problem this past year. They went 4-6 and and really, really struggled, but it wasn't because of their offensive line. It was the fact that they did lose an extremely talented quarterback and a running back in Chance Black who went to Virginia Tech. So, uh, it's he still did a lot of really good things. I watched his junior tape uh, the most out of the tapes, and I thought he was just tremendous there as an interior offensive lineman. He's got a high motor. I think he climbs to the second and third levels really, really well. He does a good job of you know sort of getting uh, that first that first chip block, whatever he's supposed to do, especially when he's pull blocking and gets to that next level to free up running lanes for his guys. I also thought, you know, he he did a really good job of when he didn't have to climb to that next level. His hand placement allowed him to lock on and hold blocks, which is something that Carolina really needs to do. They, we've seen it a couple of times throughout the last few years, but especially last year, that was something that really dropped off where guys just weren't able to hold their blocks and it led to, you know, even though initial running lanes were there, guys getting dropped uh, for, you know, less yards than they probably should have. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. He's a guy that's going to be developmental. There's no doubt about that. I, I, again, he played tackle at high at the high school level. I just don't think he has the movement skills to play out there. So he will be on the interior of the offensive line. Meaning, one, he's going to have to put on more weight. You have the natural learning curve, and you've also got to be able to pass protect. So we're going to see. It'll be less of a learning curve on the interior of the offensive line as a pass protector, but it's still something that you're going to have to see him work on before you can throw him out there. So not quite as instant impact as Grigsby could potentially be, but still a guy I think that provides depth there. So Couple of questions, Zach, that we were that I was seeing on social media after these commitments. First of all, let's go back to Harvey's commitment and talk about what that does for the edge rusher group. There are some that are really concerned, and I'm seeing this not only from fans, but I think it's also from some people that are close to the program. Um, that this might mean that Rico Walker may not be a take for the Tar Heels in this class. Now, I'm not sure that that's the case, and I'm not saying that's exactly what they're saying, but it seems like there are still a lot of people that think, especially after Harvey's commitment, that Rico Walker could be a guy that Tennessee ends up landing at the end of the day. What do you think about this, Zach? Because I think if just watching Rico Walker, I think he's much different than the other two guys that they have in this class in terms of his size and even his play style. And I think that he's a guy that when you just look at the overall talent, he's someone you've got to create a spot for in this class. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of if he is or is not a take, I'd have to assume that he is at this time. You know, anything can happen in recruiting. Staffs make decisions all the time that, you know, that we as, you know, outsiders can't really, you know, parse one way or the other in terms of it making sense. But I do think if not just for, 
you know, having another edge rusher spot than just as a, you know, best overall spot. If you want to look at that, of just additional spots you're saving for, you know, guys that you take no matter what, I think that, you know, there's potential for Rico Walker to fall into that category of player. Um, I, I do think that um, it, it is going to depend on how long he chooses to wait, uh, because while, you know, there may be more spots at the edge rusher position, there might be only a certain number of defensive line spots overall. And there's, you know, there's other guys on the board that are, that are looking to grab their spots. There's guys like David Hobbs, uh, Jamal Jarrett, of course, as we've discussed numerous times, Joshua Horton. So I, I do think the onus is on him at this point to sort of go ahead and, you know, uh, maybe not wait till February. It could be till December. We don't really know in terms of what that timeline looks like. But I, I would expect, you know, a decision sooner rather than later in terms of that. Um, but like you mentioned, Tennessee is is very much in the race here. Uh, he has visited Tennessee almost as much as he's visited uh, North Carolina, which is pretty impressive, you know, with him being a, a North Carolina prospect. But they're in Hickory, so the western part of the state. A little bit easier to get to Knoxville from there than it is from you know other parts closer to Chapel Hill. Um, so he does have that relationship. They're they're a school that you know has has some recruiting buzz here in the 2023 class. They've obviously leveraged you know NIL opportunities really well thus far. So that could be a potential factor here. So I don't think he's necessarily a, a slam dunk. Uh, choose the Tar Heels. I would lean on him still having you know, an open spot at this time. But I think until he makes a decision, whenever that may be, whether it be soon or farther down the line, I do think it is going to be a battle between the Tar Heels and the Volunteers for his commitment. And I think that was something that probably was expected along the way. I think, you know, Maryland's another team that's kind of sleeping back there. But I think it's definitely Carolina and Tennessee. My thinking is, is that, look, if you're Carolina, what this should do for Walker and and your relationship is basically say, look, this is, you know, we, we want you to get on board as soon as possible. We're going to hold a spot for you right now, but if, you know, we, we've got a window that we need to have guys committed in because this is a spot where we feel like we need to have a certain amount of guys or that we have a cap at where we have other needs in the class that we have to address with the spots that we have. There are, you know, some spots that are saved. I mean, we've talked about wide receiver that's a spot where you need multiple guys, and they probably are still going to add one or two more guys out there. But uh, I, I think this is what that, that's what it does is it puts a little bit of pressure on Rico Walker to make a decision on where he's going sooner rather than later. And we saw him narrow down his his list to a top five: Carolina in there, Tennessee, as you would expect, and Maryland, who I talked about. But I think Carolina is going to be looking to try to push him into a decision sooner rather than later. And, and as you talked about, there are other targets there. David Hobbs was just at the commitment of Christian Hamilton. So he, he clearly has a pretty strong tie with a lot of these guys in this class. Not really sure what he's exactly waiting on, but he's one of those guys that I think you, know, you could see any day now he pops up with uh, an impending decision. Um, and then, you know, there's a couple other guys there. Jamal Jarrett, he's got that commitment date set for July 19th. I don't think that one really necessarily affects Rico Walker because he's a bigger nose tackle. But with Hobbs, Hobbs has a similar body style to Rico Walker. So that's the one that I think could be more interesting to monitor there. And depending on what the, your preference is between the two, 
you you probably want Rico Walker to go ahead and and get on his horse here and, and sort of make a decision uh, sooner rather than later. But the thing is, is that you know these guys are high school prospects. They're still going through um you know the challenges of the recruiting process. So it, it, whenever he ends up making his decision, it'll be. But who knows if there will still be a spot left. Uh, at that time, I would say right now, though, there definitely is still a spot left. He's a, he fits a different mold than the two guys that they have committed in this class. Now, the only other thing that I saw, you know, people kind of bouncing back and forth, uh, is how many more wide receivers does Carolina take in this class? And you know, I, we're, we're going to talk about a guy here that is going to end up announcing his commitment tomorrow uh, here in just a minute, but. You know, when you look at this wide receiver class now, Zach, and I don't really think this is something that the Toriel staff hasn't already prepared for, considering they probably felt pretty good about Christian Hamilton, but now they've got him committed in the class. How many more guys do you think Carolina is taking on at the wide receiver position? Yeah, when you look at the wide receiver position, I think that the Tar Heels will take at least three. I feel comfortable about them taking three in this recruiting class. It's a class where they wanted to take multiple receivers. Generally for the Tar Heels in past years, that has meant more than two. That's been three to four if they're going to take a good number. And it's, you know, just based on the idle number that they want to have, they want to have 10, 11, 12 in there, more than just a, you know, a 3D. They want to have good variety in there because the wide receiver position is so important to the Phil Longo offense. And they're, you know, they're known for taking three to four guys. I think it will be three. I think there is potential for four. Maybe, uh, you know, anything can happen. Maybe they take five. If I had to go with a safe range, I'd say probably three to four. I'd lean towards three uh, based on today, just based on where I think the remaining targets are, you know, are looking at wh- who they're favoring at this point. Um, but, but it is going to be, you know, a larger wide receiver class, and I think it's going to be one with a diversity of bodies, a diversity of play styles that will really complement each other very well. But like I said, I'll stick with three as the number that I'm going with as of today. Yeah, I would say three, and I think you could maybe adjust it to four if a guy like Kevin Concepcion does end up wanting to commit to Carolina. That one, I feel like you're going to find that one out probably before you find out at least from – uh, Paul Billups, what he's going to do. To me, Paul Billups and Chris Culliver are both takes in this class. I think if if Culliver wants to commit, then you're taking his recruit his commitment. And then after that, I don't think that that is deterring you from taking Billups' commitment because Carolina needs these tall wide receivers, these red zone threats on the outside. And look, I get it. They got Andre Green Jr. in this last class, and and that's great. And they bring in Christian Hamilton, who could play on the outside uh, if needed. But I think the thing that Carolina needs out there is depth. This is a, a team right now on the outside that is simply lacking it. Their best receiver uh, coming into this year on the outside is going to be Antone Green. And after the season's over, he's departing. He has no choice but to after he took uh, the COVID year this year. So he's that leaves you pretty thin out there. And you're going to have some unproven guys. I mean, look, maybe Kobe Pacer steps up. Maybe you've got J.J. Jones who steps up. But right now, those are still some big question marks. Here in the spring, you didn't really find any solutions to those questions. So if I'm Carolina and I've I've got some scholarships that are available to me, I'm taking 
both of those guys, no questions asked. And I think that they will fit into the system. Look, if it ends up becoming that they're going to be battling it out for uh, a, a starting job along the way and one of them wants to transfer, you worry about that later on down the line. But that's how I would look at that if I'm Carolina. I don't think you hold out a spot either for a transfer there because, look, he did it this past year and there really wasn't anybody oh, – well, not say I, – I, I take that back. They didn't – I'm not saying they necessarily did – but if I was them, I would have had I, I probably had a spot open. I wrote an article about some of the guys that they should look at, and the market really wasn't all that great. I don't know how much better it's going to be this next year, uh, especially you know if you look and, and and the offense takes a little bit of a step back, which is a possibility. So to me, I'm getting both of those guys, and then Concepcion's that guy that if he wants to come in, I, I have a spot available for him. So I would look at it as three possibly four. Um, I don't think Carolina is anywhere near done at the position, especially with the depth that they lack out there, which we've heard multiple times from Mac Brown and his staff here throughout the spring and now into the early summer. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and actually talk about Chris Culliver. He revealed today on the day of recording that he is going to announce his commitment tomorrow on Monday, July 4th. We're going to preview that commitment, tell you how confident we feel that the Tar Heels can pull out another commitment this week and make it eight commitments in eight days. Stick around here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. I know there's a lot of you that are Braves fans. Go and bet on the Braves and their upcoming series on DraftKings Sportsbook. I know I'll be doing the same for my New York Mets. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN. PPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pegnata, Zach Hubbard hanging out here with you guys. And now let's get to the guy that uh, is going to commit on Monday, July 4th. There are going to be some fireworks for the Tar Heels on the recruiting trail after all. And it is Chris Culliver, the four-star wide receiver, in-state guy out of Maiden High School in Maiden, North Carolina. This is one that Carolina has been on for a while, not quite as long as uh, Christian Hamilton, and they landed just the other day, but still a guy that Carolina has really been pushing for for a while as an in-state prospect. He's a guy that kind of fits the needs that Carolina has at outside receiver in terms of the speed and the frame, the ability to go up and get the football. Zach, he really is the complete package, and and this is one, you know, I wrote the article of the guys that I would prioritize at wide receiver if I was Carolina right now. I wrote that just a couple of weeks ago, and he was atop that list. That's how I still feel going into this commitment today, that Carolina could really use this one on the outside. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, you know, there's really not anything that he does not do well as a wide receiver. Has that link, you know, not only in terms of size being around six foot tall, but he's got long arms as well. But he also, he's also quick as well, especially with that straight line speed down the sideline. He sort of looks like a gazelle running out there. So, you know, he's really a very complete package in terms of what you, you know, what you want in a receiver and an outside receiver specifically. Um, I think he's a guy that, you know, the Tar Heels have been focusing on for a while. He's been a guy similar to Hamilton where he's been on that radar as a wide receiver. And I think he does pair well with him uh, because he does have that speed. So, you know, on a few plays, you probably wouldn't be too upset if he moved inside for a player two while Hamilton was on the outside. But more likely, you know, you're going to have Hamilton as more of an inside guy. Uh, with Culliver on the outside. But just having that overall baseline speed and length gives you so many options there, you know, of, of how you want to deploy these guys. And we've seen some, you know, some similar usage of that, almost like a big tight end just out wide. You know, it, it really allows this offense to get creative and how it wants to use its wide receivers. But like you mentioned, you know, the Tar Heel offense really needs these outside threats. They need guys that are, more than just tall on the outside, but that, you know, when spacing is tighter in the red zone, they can go up and get the football. I think that's the main usage of Chris Culver. Obviously you see, you know, the deep balls, you see the go routes, the nine routes, whatever you want to call them. But, you know, he's going to be a guy that, you know, when you get down there into the red zone, when it's, you know, when it's third and five or third and goal, you know, and, and you're five yards out, um, you just throw the ball up and watch him go up and get it. I, I think he can really be a weapon there uh, to sort of complement, uh, you know, not only Chris Hamilton, which they've gotten in this class, but just, you know, the style of offense that we've seen where they mix in um, these wide receiver types between, you know, taller guys and more shorter slot guys to uh, create mismatches. Yeah, and we saw, look, they, they were looking for that really the entire year last year, and they got it, you know, after the halfway point with Antoine Green, but then, you know, that 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 is something that you need to see more consistently from him, and as I mentioned earlier, he's gone after the season is over. So, ultimately, what this team is looking for is they are looking for more guys that are similar to the type of player that Deami Brown was, and when I watch Chris Culliver, I see a lot of that in him, because he's a very similar size. He has really good speed down the field. And, I mean, he can do some things after the catch with the football because of that speed. There's just so much to like about him. And I think that this is one of those guys that, you know, Carolina has been on for a while as well. I mean, these are the types of guys that when you recruit them for this long, you want to be able to lock them up, especially when they're in your state. And, look, Virginia Tech is the other team that's there right now. It's a two-horse race. Everybody else that was in this commitment, in this recruitment, is out. It is probably there will be other hats probably on the table. Um, I'm not sure exactly how he's going to do. I believe he's probably just going to do it via social media. But it's coming down to Carolina and Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech has really turned up the heat on the recruiting trail. They've already got two commits at wide receiver in the class. I. I my thing is is that if you're Carolina, you've got to lock this one down. And look, the, the thing that scares me a little bit about this recruitment right now and in terms of this uh, you know, this commitment is that there are no predictions really about 
this decision tomorrow. You've got Adam Friedman, who is you know covers the East Coast for Rivals.com, one of the better you know predictors of where guys are going to land. He did predict that the Tar Heels will be the pick, but that's it. He's the only guy. There is an old, old crystal ball prediction from way back in August of last year from uh, fr- from a, a writer for the 24-7 sports site uh, for South Carolina that is to North Carolina, but I don't really think that one matters at this point. So until you start seeing more of those predictions roll in, and look, the last time that I did this was with J. Bron Harvey, and they rolled in literally right as I was posting the episode. So we'll see. Hopefully that's what happens again this time. But that's the one thing that's got me a little bit nervous is when you don't see some of these guys coming out. Look, this is this announcement has been out there now for a good six hours or so. So most of the time you see these guys kind of jumping on the opportunity to try to be one of the first ones to predict where he's going to go. As long as it stays like this, I think it's more of a toss-up than you know a lot of these other ones that we've talked about. I still feel confident. I think Carolina will get this done in the end because of the in-state connection, because of how much attention they have focused on him here over the last uh, you know few years. But it's definitely concerning that he was not amongst that final group to be on campus uh, in terms of official visits in the month of June. He came the week before, um, which may work out for Carolina, maybe with more attention on him that worked out. But being that he took that final visit to Virginia Tech, does that leave that lasting impact? I think that's something that you've got to wonder about. But we'll have to wait and see. We'll have you covered on the website with all of it, HeelToughBlog.com. That's where you can check out all of the recruiting stuff. There is a ton of stuff up on the website. I am actually going to tweet out, or, or well, we'll see. I will tweet out a thread probably. Um, but uh, on Facebook, I'm going to post – uh, a a post with all the links from the past seven days of commitment. So all seven guys that have committed, that will be in there. We will also have the Chris Culliver uh, article that will go up, uh, his commitment preview. I am going to try to wait a little bit longer here, see if we can't get a couple other predictions rolling in. But if we don't have anything here by probably about 8 or 9 o'clock tonight. I am going to go ahead and throw that one up there. So we'll have that for you as well. And then uh, we will have his commitment, uh, his his breakdown. Wherever he goes, we will break that one down. This is one that definitely fits the mold as, as a big enough one to talk about regardless. So we'll have all that for you on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We've also got you know the ACC uh, switching up their scheduling format to the 355 format, uh, ditching divisions. We've got an article that's up there about that, but at the same time, we're monitoring what's going on with conference realignment. We have to keep a big eye on that moving forward, and we will you know, hopefully be trying to get a couple of guests on to talk about that as well here on the podcast side of things, but if there is any major breaking news, we will have that for you on the website, and one of the other things that we're monitoring on the Tar Heel basketball side of things is is Gigi Jackson potentially looking at a decommitment from North Carolina? There are some rumors now that he is thinking about possibly reclassifying. Me and Josh hoping to do a podcast here soon as well, but we're going to have you covered on the website with that uh, over the next couple of days as we monitor that situation. All in one central location, HeelToughBlog.com. 
All those posts, everything that we talked about right there is on the Facebook page as well as the Twitter page. Whenever something new comes out, even if it's a podcast edition or a video edition of the podcast, when those do come back, you can find them all on either one of those pages. Uh, just search Heel Tough Blog on Facebook uh, and make sure you like the page when you're there so that you don't have to search through these groups to find it. And then uh, over on Twitter, just hit, give us a follow at Heel Tough Blog. You can also keep up with all the other stuff that's going on uh, on our personal Twitter pages at HTB Anthony for me, at HackZubber2 for Zach, and at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Zach for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.